You're listening to Midlife State of Mind Podcast, hosted by Aaron Beadle and Belinda Fleming, two gals who dish on all the challenges and opportunities that come with this middle section of your life. Each episode, you'll find yourself going between laughter and tears as they cover all the topics you need to know about midlife. Welcome back to Midlife State of Mind. We're your hosts, Erin Beadle and Belinda Fleming. We are so glad to have you joining us today, fellow listeners of Midlife State of Mind podcast. Thank you for joining in. And if any of our discussions about navigating this phase of life strike a chord with you today, please feel free to leave us a five-star rating and a written review. It means so much and it will completely make our day. Yes, we love it when we get reviews and we get to read them and we do a little happy dance. How many of our listeners have ever dealt with cravings? Maybe cravings for something sweet or cravings for something salty. It doesn't even have to be a bad craving. It could be a craving for something crunchy. I know personally in my life, there are days when I am just craving a certain food or a certain type of food, maybe something salty, maybe something that is bitter. And there's lots of reasons that you could be having cravings. And today we're going to dive deeper into cravings, the reasons for them, how you can manage them and understand them. And then we'll offer some strategies on how to deal with cravings. So I'd like to start off by discussing physiological cravings versus psychological cravings. So physiological cravings are those types of thoughts that are driven by our body's genuine need for nutrients and our genuine need for energy to support movement throughout the day. A way that we can think about these, the physiological cravings, is the hormones that are occurring naturally in our body. And it affects us when we are low on energy or... Maybe an electrolyte, um, a low on an electrolyte. So our body says... You need something salty because you're low on sodium in your body. Right. And so that might be why you said, okay, today I really want this favorite vegetable of mine. But tomorrow it could be that you want a banana because you're having a a decrease in potassium or something like that. So actually our body is pretty smart and it tells our mind what we need if we're really listening. So that would be the physiological. The other side of that coin would be the psychological. And psychological is going to be triggered by maybe even a memory of something that gives you like comfort food. That could be psychological. That when I see Burger King, I think of my childhood when I when my parents would take me to get a happy meal. <laughs> yeah, so nostalgia. And I think also psychological cravings are often dictated by our emotions. So some people are emotional eaters. They'll eat when they're stressed or they'll eat when they're sad. Or even when you're happy. Think about how we celebrate milestones when we're happy about something with lots of sugary foods, right? So it could go either way. Today we're going to touch on both. So talking about the cravings that are tied to our body's internal cues and then also ones that come from the psychological mind, meaning like maybe tied to more of nostalgia or emotions. Mm -hmm. If we're talking about physiological cravings, they usually are driven by our hormones. Hormones are just chemicals that respond to external cues that basically keep our body in check. We have this axis that goes from our brain, our hypothalamus, to our pituitary, to our thyroid, to our adrenal and our gonoidal glands. And those all are hormone producers in the body and they all work in a symphony. 
it's really beautiful because if you have a symphony that just had a bunch of trumpets, it doesn't sound right. But if you have trumpets and trombones and you have clarinets and all of the different instruments, it ends up being this beautiful production of music. And that's what our body, how it works between all the hormones. It's a really complicated dance. So if one hormone falls low, the other hormones may come in to help bring the body back to balance because our body is always seeking homeostasis, which is balance. And your body is going to signal to you when you do need something in particular. And so the better we are at being mindful about what we're eating, what nutrients we're taking in, and how active that we are too. Are we hydrating properly? Are we doing all of the things that will cause us to maintain our insulin levels on a le- you know a certain aspect of if you're eating too much sugar, then you're going to have spikes. And we're wanting to eliminate really super high Highs spikes and lows. and lows. Right. So it really is important for us to talk about the two natural occurring hormones in the body that can help us keep this homeostasis. And we have, the first one is ghrelin. And for me personally, I think of the image of a little tiny gremlin, right? That lives in my stomach. So he's just kind of hiding away until I get really hungry. And all of a sudden he wakes up and he starts growling. And that's when I know, oh wow, it's time for me to eat. Hopefully he's not growling so much so that I've become hangry because that is something that that does happen sometimes. Mm-hmm. I know I've said to you before, oh my gosh, I'm so hangry right now. And it's because my day ran away from me and I got so busy with work or whatever I was doing that I didn't get to take in the proper nutrient. So that is a great visual imagery of ghrelin. Yeah, I think of ghrelin as the little little monster in the cave, the little gremlin, and then he comes out searching for food and he starts making a lot of noise. He's banging around. Well, what's interesting is that ghrelin, it is produced primarily in the stomach and it acts on the hypothalamus in the brain. So when your stomach's empty, your ghrelin levels rise, and that's what sends the signal to your brain that you need to eat. So if we're in tune to that, and we're not so busy just sticking to a clock or, oh, you know, I just looked at someone else and because they're walking past me with chocolate cake, now I want chocolate cake, right? I want to use my internal hormones as an indicator of when I need to take in nutrients, not external factors, honestly. That's something we want to try to aspire to, right? Yeah, we don't want to be tied to just because it's 12 p.m. that we eat lunch if we're not hungry. Right. So if we're tuning into that and we're not watching the clock and then we are dialed into our little gremlin and that is a positive. This hormone plays a role in regulating our metabolism. So if you eat and then the the ghrelin level decreases, this also helps your appetite to signal to your brain that you are satisfied. And as we move into this idea of knowing when we're satisfied, we know when to stop eating instead of continuing to eat more and more and more, right? The brain does tell the stomach when we're satisfied. And that is the second hormone we're talking about today that's leptin. Ghrelin comes from the stomach, leptin comes from the brain. And talking about the hormone, I think of it as a hormone highway that they're communicating and this information is passing back and forth. And leptin's main function is to tell the brain that we're happy. You're full. Yes. It's your Sadie hormone. It's the one that when you've had enough of food that it's like, okay, stop. Because once your stomach gets to a certain size, 
it signals, okay, you've reached your max point of eating. There are certain medical conditions where if they have decreased levels of leptin, they don't get that feeling of being full or satisfied ever. And I think that one of the things is that as your body, as your fat stores increase in your body, so do your leptin levels, which are supposed to help keep you from then overeating. And in some people, if you aren't paying attention to those hormones and those internal cues, then you will overeat possibly, right? I mean, we've all done it. We've all overeaten on Thanksgiving or a special holiday. And then all of a sudden, you know, you get to that point where it's painful. So one of the things that I think is really important when we're talking about managing cravings, the biggest thing, and we talk about this actual thing a lot, is getting enough sleep. When you don't get enough sleep, you will overeat because it's your body's way of basically surviving. So when you don't get enough sleep, your stress hormones are elevated like cortisol, and that will make you hungrier, have cravings that are less able to be controlled because you're just... Well, you're in fight or flight mode, and we really want to spend more time tapping into parasympathetic nervous system, rest and digest, and we definitely want the balance of both. If we have too much of one or the other, it's not good for our metabolism either way. Another thing that I think is really important after you've prioritized sleep, because once you prioritize sleep, all the other effects that you're feeling... It'll reduce your stress. Absolutely, yes. It corrects a lot of things. Right, just by getting enough sleep. But the other thing that is really interesting, when I started my schooling for my functional medicine practitioner... One of the first things that my teacher said when we talked about disease begins in the gut was our very first deep dive on getting to the root cause of disease. She said, one of the most important things you can do is when you eat, you need to eat in a relaxed state. Mm -hmm. So that, like you said, rest and digest. You have two states of your autonomic nervous system. You have fight or flight, which is sympathetic. You have rest and digest, which is parasympathetic. And when you're stressed and you try to eat, you're basically, when you're stressed, your hydrochloric acid in your stomach is reduced. Your motility is reduced. So you're not going to even digest the food all the way properly, right, to get the nutrients from it. Mm -hmm. So you should be able to prioritize then setting aside however many minutes, 10 minutes or whatever, to actually sit and savor your food, chewing each bite 25 to 30 times. I know it seems ridiculous, but oftentimes, and I've become really mindful of this and I wasn't until she mentioned it. I would half chew food, maybe six or seven bites, and then I'd swallow it when it was half whole. And your stomach doesn't have teeth. You know, when you chew food 25 times, you're releasing all kinds of enzymes, digestive enzymes, pancreatic enzymes that help you basically get the most nutrition out of the food that you're taking in. So that is number two. So sleep and then eating in a relaxed state. Here's an interesting thing that I just read recently was talking about how oftentimes people have a hard time passing up free food. So when you're in the office and it's Tony's birthday and a coworker brings in a big giant sheet cake from Publix, you're like, well, I have to eat cake because it's Tony's birthday and there's this big free cake right in front of me. And it's also kind of the same phenomenon if you're a member of one of those big box, like Costco, Sam's Club, and you go in and, you know, they always have those people demoing the food because they want you to buy more. And people will go around and just eat from every little vendor and it's mindless eating. You know, you don't even realize if you have ever tracked your macros or your calories. I'm not a calorie counter. I've done macros counting before. 
it's incredible how that adds up. it adds up. <laughs> when I started actually really being diligent of tracking my macros, I was like, oh, okay. Like, so if I'm only supposed to have, let's say 50 grams of fat a day, but it's like that little extra bit of butter or that little extra bit of something that, oh, that adds up over time. Well, it's interesting because you're basically hitting on how important it is to be mindful about what we're putting into our bodies, how often we're eating, and not that we have to count every calorie, but that we should be mindful of what we're doing, why we're doing it, and when. And then the second thing I believe you're hitting on is just conditioning. If we've been conditioned to think, oh, it's free food, let's get it, you know, right, like cookie monster, that kind of mentality of like cookie, cookie, right? So those are all things that we might have been conditioned to believe that, okay, let me hurry up and do this just because, I mean, let's be honest, uh, food's expensive. So if you do get a free meal, you might have a tendency to overindulge or you might even eat something that normally you wouldn't even choose to eat because it's not that healthy for you. So we're talking about triggers. These are all triggers for that are things we need to be aware of and try to keep everything balanced. We need to balance our stress. We need to balance our emotions. We need to be aware of external cues just because we're at the grocery store and we see they're giving the free, free samples. Things. Right. Right. Because I don't do the, the free samples for a lot of reasons. Mainly because one of the reasons is because it's just usually kind of junky stuff that they're, you know, trying to push. And But the other thing is that I get weird looks from the people, you know, they're like, oh, do you want to try this? And I'm like, no, thank you. They're like, I can't believe somebody's passing up free food. And I'm like, uh-uh, no. You know, a good tip. This is kind of a side note, but is when you do go to the grocery store, is stay on the outer perimeter of the grocery store. That's it's where true. all the fresh food is. That's where all the lean proteins are. When you start going down those aisles and there's cereal and there's all this packaged stuff and it looks so good. These companies have paid marketing teams millions of dollars to make the food look as appealing and as wonderful tasting as they possibly can. And when we start to eat packaged food, there's often fillers and all kinds of other additives that have been added to it that actually help us become addicted to it. And when Jeff and I first got married, I was the box queen. I mean, I made box mac and cheese. I made box hamburger helper. I wouldn't touch that stuff with a 10-foot pole now, only because I make everything from scratch. Even if I'm going to make a hamburger helper type meal, let's say, source it all individually. Well, it's very important to stay on the outer perimeter of the grocery store. It's your healthier alternatives for sure. And the deeper you go into the center of the store, the more processed the food's going to be. Absolutely. And the more unhealthy healthy it is and probably even the more expensive that it is it's better to stick with the exterior your fresh vegetables your fresh fruits anything with additives try to avoid it anything that is just uh, processed yes. anything that I kind of think to myself I like to eat as close to the ground as possible and I know you do too because my stomach feels better I suffered with stomach aches for years never could figure it out what it was well it was because I was eating a bunch of processed food came out of a box. Bars. I used to eat those Nutrigrain bars for breakfast wow. because it was fast and easy. And man, I was never doing myself any favors. Let's talk about sugar. So in some studies, they have shown that sugar is as addictive as cocaine. And one thing that in my schooling that my teacher says, sugar is actually an anti-nutrient, which was a new term I hadn't been really familiar with. So if you think of a nutrient, a nutrient is something that gives you a benefit to your body, right? 
An anti-nutrient is actually one where even though sugar is energy in its simplest form, but it actually has more of a negative effect on your body than the positive effect of the energy. So it makes it an anti-nutrient. It is very calorie dense, but completely lacks nutrients. So it leads to excessive caloric intake, which leads to weight gain and obesity. And the more you eat sugar, the more you crave it. And then you're also putting yourself at risk for type 2 diabetes. High sugar intake contributes to insulin resistance. The cells become less responsive to the hormone insulin. So we've, you know. It's a slippery slope from there. Oh, it is. It is. It is a very slippery slope. And it is an epidemic in our country. It is actually. Heart disease as well. So excessive sugar consumption is also linked to high triglyceride levels, inflammation in the body. These are all things that can contribute to a decreased cardiovascular system. And you know, sugar has the chemical component of it or how it's made up it's jagged and so it does actually damage your vessels yeah your vessels which Mm -hmm. is crazy the other thing is gluten and dairy both of those dairy is addictive because of the casein and the more that you eat dairy the more you crave dairy And do you know that the stats that I learned in school is that somewhere between 50 to 70% of people are lactose intolerant even though they still eat you know cheese milk So it is kind of interesting how even though when we know that something isn't always good for us, that we continue to have it because the foods are actually made to be addictive to us. Well, one other thing I did want to share too is it's so important for us to detox from sugar for multiple reasons, but another one is an increased risk of cancer. There are studies that suggest a link between high sugar consumption and specific cancers, including pancreatic, colorectal, and breast cancer. I had breast cancer and one of the things when they do a PET scan, they give you a sugary drink because what happens is when you drink that, all of your cancer cells light up because they take in that sugar. So they all light up. So let's just say if you were getting a PET scan to see you have cancer one place, but they want to see if you have it elsewhere, it will light up cancer anywhere in your body. So sugar is cancer's favorite food. Basically, to mitigate these ill effects, it is so important to be mindful of your sugar intake. Reading nutrition labels. Sometimes they're very good at hiding sugar content in in the labels. And we need to opt for whole foods. We need to opt for a balanced diet that's rich in fruits and vegetables and lean proteins and healthy fats. And we all know this, but we are now at the age where we have to implement this. If you're in in that middle stage of life because we can combat that kind of thing when we're in our teens, when we're in our 20s, but I promise you it eventually catches up with you. You cannot outrun it. And you and I were talking recently about how many people we've known in their 50s who are just dying because it feels heart like disease. Pandemic, just everything. It feels like there's been this increase in people with really significant health issues in their 50s. And it, it, it's startling and it's scary. And we really just want all of us to, to really take an inventory of what are our habits? What are we doing? And how can we pivot? Well, let's talk about tactics. Here's some strategies for managing cravings. The first thing to do when you notice that you're having a craving is delay. So sometimes the craving will pass. If you just give yourself a few minutes 
Take a breath. Do some breathing exercises. Go for a little walk around the neighborhood. Well, that's the other thing is deep (laughs) breaths and distraction. Find something to distract yourself. Maybe do a puzzle. Go for a walk. Clean out a closet. And then see if you're still hungry. The other thing that you can do is sometimes thirst manifests itself as coming across as feeling like you're hungry. So get an eight ounce glass of water and then just take sips of water and just keep drinking and maybe see... First, you've delayed. Maybe you've had a drink of water. Maybe you have done some deep breaths. Maybe you've done some distraction. And then if you've done all of that stuff and you still have the craving, look at maybe what it is. A healthy choice. Uh, Right. (laughs) So maybe it is that you're craving something salty and all you can think about is like some Doritos or potato chips. Instead, you just get some cucumber, slice them up, put some lime juice on them, put some salt, some Himalayan sea salt, and then you have that instead. And so you get the crunch like a potato chip. That's actually one of my favorite snacks. If it sounds weird, <laughs> try it. It actually is amazing. Is you slice cucumbers really thin. Well, they're crunchy. They're, so yes. It, it, so you get the crunch. You get the lime tortilla chips, which I used to be addicted to. I loved them. And then you get the salty. The reason that we talked about this is one thing that I wanted to share with our listeners is that I'm hosting a post-summer reset. It's more than just a diet reset. And when I say the word diet, I don't mean diet to lose weight. I mean diet as in what you eat. This is going to be a five-day whole foods reset. And you will get a handbook, recipes, a shopping guide, some other handouts from me of how to deepen your detox. This will also take place in a private Facebook group just for participants for support and accountability from me. I'd love to have any of our listeners join. You will find the link in the show notes so that if you want more information, it is priced at $77 per person. Belinda and I are both going to be doing it, so you will not be alone if you're joining us. And hopefully what you'll find is in that five days by cutting out sugar, dairy, alcohol, red meat and pork, you will notice a shift in energy levels or how you feel and decide to take one of those changes into your daily life and continue to use it even past the reset. All the information will be in the show notes. I'm personally looking forward to just an opportunity to reset because I think it improves digestion. I think it reduces inflammation in our bodies. And when you begin to introduce healthy foods and if you were in a habit of taking in too much sugar or if you're needing to take a break from alcohol, if that's something that is an issue for some of our listeners, it is interesting how it will flush out your system and then all of a sudden you have an enhanced nutrient absorption taking place in the gut and you also have better mental clarity. I mean there are so many benefits to doing a detox or a reset periodically. Yes and it will encompass more than just food. There's you know mind body spirit. There's aspects of all the pillars of your health. Right. Managing your stress, managing your sleep, and a holistic approach. Exactly. Well, hopefully you guys got something that you can take into your life from this episode. We would love for you to visit our website, midlifestateofmindpodcast.com. You can learn more about Belinda and myself. You can also learn about our upcoming retreat in Italy, of which we have a few spots left. And thank you so much for joining us on this journey toward healthier relationships with cravings. And it really does start with these small steps and conscious choices. And we hope that the knowledge that we've shared today in our podcast empowers you. Thank you so much for joining in. It's a pleasure to share this midlife journey with each one of you. Bye now. We'll see you next week. Bye. 
This has been an E-Squared production.